on an all-new Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Things are gonna change. The single biggest event to rock Sunnydale. Stop! You heard the rumors. You thought you knew. Lives can change in an instant. Please stop it! Killer! Killer! Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Pineapple, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 19, Seeing Red. We'll be talking about the plot, we'll be talking about the characters, and we'll be talking about all the sad and messed up shit about this episode, so spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and probably other shows and movies. Well, it isn't always about humor. Or quality. Sometimes starting a podcast with little to no experience just seems like a good idea at the time. <laughs> All right, welcome back for a lighthearted edition of If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. My name is Kelly, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host Stacia. Say hello. We have a pineapple in our kitchen. Do we? Oh, we have a literal pineapple. Mm-hmm. We like never have pineapples. We wow, how apropos. Mm-hmm. Thanks, past me. Who knew? Thank, thank you, current wife, mm-hmm. for getting a pineapple. So this could all thank be relevant you, in the end. Current wife, <laughs> as opposed to past wife. <laughs> all right, moving on. And my other co-host Daniel, say hello. So, BB Pod is flying again. Ain't love Grant. Yeah. Aww. Oh man. Okay. Well. We're going to do our best to get through this episode, Seeing Red, which was written by, oh wait, which originally aired on May 7th of the year 2002, and written by Stephen Knight. This is the sixth of six episodes for him. That's the last one. This is the, the last one he's going to do. Wow. Well, he did Dead Things. That was his last episode, which we all loved unanimously. Yeah, so he's actually going to start writing for Angel beginning the next season of Angel, which will be season four. Uh, he goes on to write 12 episodes for that. He also directs a couple of episodes of Angel, and he does write a couple of issues for season eight of Buffy. So he's definitely not away from the Buffyverse, just not writing for Buffy the show anymore. Uh, directed by Michael Gershman, 8 of 10 for him. Last was older and far away, and next will be season 7, episode 6, Him. That's the one where everybody has a crush on one of the boys that goes to Don's school because of a magical varsity jacket. Don't you forget. Oh, God. the One, one of the scenes in that episode... It doesn't matter. Okay, we're talking about this episode. Anything to not talk about this episode. <laughs> hey! Stacia, what happened in this episode? Get ready to read... Eight pages of text. <laughs> it's not eight pages. The but plot it is, is so long. You can't even see all of it. It doesn't I, even all fit on the I, screen. I know. Look how far it goes. It's really fun. <laughs> Do your it's best. It's like two pages single spaced Do in 11 best. point font. Do your best. <laughs> Everyone buckle in. Go say chefs. Thank God you added paragraphs though. I try to make it as reading friendly as possible for anyone that's not me. Okay. Could you imagine if that was just two pages of block, block text? text. Justified, too, so you can't even tell where a sentence starts and ends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We open on Willow and Tara in bed together, naked, kissing even, on network television. Huzzah! Air horn sounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was. <laughs> yeah. Taking a break from what must have been an hours-long game of Scrabble... Willow mentions she's worried about Buffy, and Tara suggests they check on her to see if she ever came home last night. Willow runs into Dawn in the hallway, who confirms that Willow totally already knew. Oh, who confirms what Willow already totally knew. Buffy and Spike have been sleeping together. 
Tara, not wanting to wait the 30 seconds for Willow to come back with Buffy news, wraps herself in a sheet and pops out of the bedroom. Dawn realizes that this must mean Tara spent the night and is super stoked that the girlfriend of her sister's best friend slash mom is back. It's adorable. It is. Okay, all right, we'll stop. (laughs) Oh, you better not. Cut to Buffy in the trio's recently abandoned basement. She snoops around for nerd signs, finds some promising bits of paper, and then is promptly beset by giant spitting buzzsaws. Buffy karate's her way out of the saws and escapes, though a certain maroon jacket is mortally wounded in the chaos. R.I.P. Maroon Jacket. Back at Buffy's house, Willow and Tara are <laughs> wearing clothes but are still able to make out in front of Buffy and Dawn. Thank God. Buffy shows off her cache of junk from the trio's lair. Dawn suggests that maybe Spike could help, and Buffy says he's not part of the team anymore. Awkward looks are exchanged, and then Tara suggests that they ask Anya to help with the demon text, so they have a reason to have Anya in this episode. Cut to Anya. <laughs> She's full swing back into the vengeance game, trying to get a recently cheated on sad lady to wish her philandering boyfriend some pain. Stuart Burns, philanderer. Stuart Burns, philanderer. <laughs> Instead of sealing the deal, Anya talks about herself until the intended target is too confused to make a wish. Andrew, Jonathan, and Warren are in a cave, shocking a barely mobile demon with a cattle prod. To death. <laughs> That's what <Stop>. <laughs> Dawn heads to Spike's crypt, quote, on her way back to Janice's house, end quote. Yeah, right. Janice isn't real. To ask what the grown-ups are upset about. She asks Spike, acts. She asks Spike. She asks Spike, (laughs) if you love Buffy, how could you sleep with Anya? Spike says, because Buffy's a butt jerk. (laughs) I said jerk butt. (laughs) I think think butt jerk is a different thing than jerk butt. I mean... (laughs) It's true. I read that backwards. <laughs> but jerk. <laughs> the trio have skinned the corpse of the shuffle demon. Shuffle. Because it's just like shambling around. It's like barely mobile, this thing. Okay. The shuffle demon. Sure. Uh, to make a macabre costume that Jonathan puts on so he can walk through the special barrier and retrieve the orbs of Nezlikon. Purple magic balls that make anyone holding them, possessing them, fanny packing them. Super strong and super tough. <laughs> I didn't know what, what the qualifier was. Because like sometimes he's holding them, and, but then they're just like got a little pouch on his hips. I'm like, what's the deal? How far away can they be and still count? You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. So that's why I, I, couldn't, I didn't know. That's fair. <laughs> Xander is again slash still day drinking his pain away. Buffy comes over to console him for reasons, and Xander takes this as another opportunity to make Buffy feel bad about herself. He storms out of his own apartment to creep on Anya through the magic box windows for a minute before heading to the bronze for more drinking. Back to Willow and Tara in bed together, naked, on network television! But this time they're in Tara's dorm. They take a brief doing it break to look through the trio files for clues and then get right back to sexy time. You're taking advantage of me reading this. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Xander shuts down a perfectly nice lady trying to chat him up at a bar when the dorks walk in. Buffy references a Bob Dylan song while fighting a vamp who kicks her onto a headstone before she dusts him. The blow to her back is so painful it makes the next scene possible. The next scene being Spike trying to sexually assault Buffy in her bathroom. Insert 40 sarcastic sunglass emojis here. She's able to fight him off but not before his intent is fully viscerally obvious. Back at the bronze, a fully orbed Warren picks a fight with a guy that used to give him swirlies in high school. A scuffle ensues, ensues, but luckily Xander, the hero of heroes, is able to break up the fight by getting punched in the face super hard. 
Xander goes to Buffy's house and manages to make the incredibly awful moment Buffy just had slightly worse before Willow and Tara show up to talk about what they pieced together about the trio's evil scheme. Spike returns to his crypt. He's feeling guilty about attacking Buffy. Don't you feel bad for him? After a conversation with Clem, who stopped by with chicken, Spike leaves. Like, leaves town. On a mission to get Buffy, quote, what she deserves. The trio's evil scheme is revealed. Robbing an armored car after it picks up a bunch of cash from an amusement park. Obviously. (laughs) Duh. Warren and Buffy have a brawl where Warren lands a lot of literal hits as well as figurative patronizing sexist ones. He nearly gets the upper hand until Jonathan tells Buffy to smash his orbs. She does, he becomes unsuper, and upon realizing this, uses a jetpack to fly away. Andrew also had an escape jetpack, but he launches himself into a ceiling, stopping his flight and making him unconscious. I hate when that happens. All right. Andrew and Jonathan are arrested. Andrew is gay for Warren. Accurate. <laughs> Willow and Tara are standing next to their bed, gay for each other. Yeah. <laughs> fully clothed. Yes. Kissing even <laughs> on network television. From the bedroom window, Tara sees Xander walk into the backyard. In the backyard, Xander and Buffy talk about the revelations of the last few days, and Buffy apologizes to Xander of all things. They have a nice moment of reconciliation, only to be interrupted by Warren running in with a gun. He fires six shots vaguely towards Buffy while running away. One hits Buffy in her chest. Xander tries to stop the bleeding with his hands as Buffy lays on the ground looking pale and vacant. Back upstairs in the bedroom, one of the bullets meant for Buffy explodes through Tara's heart, punishing her for being gay on network television. (laughs) I didn't write that. That was an ad lib. (laughs) (laughs) She falls to the floor. Willow, stunned and covered in Tara's blood, doesn't realize what's happened for a beat. Willow drops to the ground, cries screaming Tara's name, but it's over. Tara is dead. She looks upward as her eyes change from green to an ominous glowing red. Cut to black. Thank you. That was great. So many paragraphs. Wonderful. Wonderful. So long. Paragraphs. So long. I just needed to get it out. Earlier, Kelly was like, I only got halfway through writing the plot when my mom was having surgery, <laughs> and she like buried the lead that the plot was 12 pages long. <laughs> I couldn't stop. Okay, all right, we'll stop. Oh, you better not. A couple of scenes from Seeing Red were cut out of this during its first airing on the BBC, because you know how BBC oh. loves to censor shit. Warren snapping the Nesla demon's neck is cut, though you can still hear the sound. Uh, the bathroom scene... Uh, was cut from where Buffy falls and hit her, hits her back on the tub to where she finally kicks Spike away. And the exit wound appearing on Tara's chest and her blood being splattered on Willow's shirt was also cut and restarted from when Tara says, your shirt. While they <laughs> elude the event in Beneath You, Buffy and Spike only discuss the attempted rape years later in season 10, issue 20, Triggers. It's a long time to go about not without talking about that fucking terrible thing that Spike did. Cool. Uh, Tara's gravestone in season 7, episode 4, help! marks her death as May 7th, 2002, which is the original air date of this episode, as you'll remember from the top of this episode. The in-show time from the last scene of this episode up to the last scene in Grave, Spike's Africa stuff notwithstanding, takes place within 24 hours. Which is pretty cool that from Tara being shot, it's 24 hours until the very end of Grave. That's three whole episodes that take place within, you know, 24 hours. The scenes at the amusement park were... were specially filmed at Six Flags Magic Mountain, 35 miles north of Los Angeles. 30 files. Magic Mountain. There it is. Anyway. Boo. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Are you being the voice of Daniel at this moment? (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Bring back Tara. Boo. 
<laughs> That's right. That'll be a running chorus through this episode. Bring back Tara. Boom. Fuck your magic mountain. Who gives a fuck? Bring back Tara. Fuck your magic mountain. God. Uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, first and last appearance of Amber Benson in the opening credits. Since the very first season, Joss has wanted to kill off a character in an episode where the actor appeared in the credits for the first time. It's supposed to be Jesse, a.k.a. Eric Balfour, in season one, but it didn't work out for one reason or another, so he Boo. did in this episode with Tara. I thought he didn't do it because it was too expensive. I I don't know what the exact reason was. I think it was also like, Daniel and I have talked about this with Lost. Sometimes there's certain rules that you have to follow for one reason. I, I, I don't know, but yeah, this, that was, it was sad. It, I was like, it's so nice to see her. Maybe that should have been a tip off that something was going to go horribly wrong. But although we've had mid season ads before, you know, so it's not unheard of that they would start putting a character in the opening credits well after the season's begun. So I don't know that it necessarily tipped the hand of anything. Uh, apparently, the post bullet br- blood, oh my God, why did I do this to myself? Apparently, the post bullet blood spraying effect was very difficult to achieve, per Amber Benson in Buffy magazine. Quote, they had trouble because the fake blood was so thin, didn't have any body to it. It was just water. It would hit Willow's shirt, and the shirt would just suck the whole thing up. It would be like a big stain. So they had to basically scotch guard her shirt and figure out how to get it one way, how to get it one way and make it stay that way. Allison had to leave. Allison had to have that done a bunch of times. It was really intense, I imagine. Uh, adding to the difficulty, wardrobe only had two shirts, so they had to keep washing the shirts, but they didn't have time to dry between takes, so the shirt was wet in most of the scenes, or most of the takes. Allison Hannigan joked that when they finally got the take, she wasn't sure what she was doing acting-wise. She was just concerned with, quote, was the blood good? Okay, let's move on. Which makes sense, right? Like, if you are just spraying water, it's going to just turn into one big puddly stain instead of the droplets, which is what they're going for. So why use water is the question no one asked, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I guess because they wanted the viscosity of the spray, but they didn't want, like, and they couldn't achieve it with a thicker weight. I don't fucking know. Anyway. What handbook? How come I don't have a handbook? Is there a t-shirt, too? All right. (laughs) And to change the subject, if you want some more Amber Benson quotes, I've got them. Yay! These are from... Buffy Magazine. Who knew that existed? Buffy Magazine? Sure Sorry. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was a cultural phenomenon, people. The show was important. I said, oh, dear Lord. You always say that. Well, it's always important. Oh, you can't find them anymore. Yeah. No. I tried on the internet, and you can find some random... They just never digitized it, I think, is what it was. Like, I don't think there was a digital version of it that existed, but... Anyway. Uh, quote. I knew at the beginning of season five that Willow was going to go bad and that I was going to be the impetus for that. But I wasn't 100% certain about the dying until the very end of last season. I mean, I wasn't at all surprised when Joss finally told me when we were shooting the season finale last year, The Gift. He was all excited about it. In fact, I even knew I was going to be in the main credits just for the one episode uh, and seeing Red. Joss was like, I want to put you in the credits. And I'm like, that's so evil. How can you do that to the fans? (laughs) Oh, so sweet. I know. As much as I hate the fact that she died, and I think it was needed. I know they were really worried about making people unhappy, but it was the only way to take Willow to another level. It furthered the plot and made it possible for Willow to go bad. This was the only thing that could have pushed her over the edge. It was all for me being maimed and coming back, but it wouldn't have been enough. I feel as upset about it as the fans do. I know it was necessary, but still. No, don't kill her. I love her. She's part of me. I thought I was going to be dead in the 16th episode. They just kept pushing it back, so I didn't know when I was going to be dying because they switched around the episodes. 
Uh, and then after se- filming Seeing Red, she said, quote, I had my cake afterwards. I was dead the last episode. When, so when they brought me the cake to say thank you for Tara, and it says Tara, and it has a headstone, and it says rest in peace, I was in tears. Everybody was crying because it was so sad. I fucking bet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. You can be off the hook for probably minutes and minutes now. But before, I lied to you. Here's one last thing. What do you think about this episode of, of television? <laughs> uh, um, In your own words now, these are not being coached or teleprompted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's weird because in my head, the rape scene with Spike... Buffy being shot and Tara dying are all like separate episodes almost. Yeah, it's a lot you, to put in one it, episode. You talked about the the Buffy, you know, the rape scene, if you will, mm-hmm. for a long time. I never clocked it as the same episode as when Tara dies. This one? You know, I knew, yeah. it, I knew it happened, but I just, it didn't occur to me that they were the same. Yeah, because you know? yeah, it feels... Like, they should be in different... There's so right? much trauma to put on Buffy in, like, 30 minutes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's weird, because on one hand, like, you have these, like, really intense moments, and they're, you know... Um, I don't want to say intriguing, but engaging, I guess. But then, at the same time, you've got, like, this bullshit with the trio that feels really schlocky, and, you know, it's fucking sad. Tara dies. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't have... I think this is a middling episode. Yeah. So, if you could put it a fine point on it, like, do you think this is a good episode? I think this is about Dark Age. This is Dark Age level. This is... We're striving for 50, baby. Mm. <laughs> nice. Nice. You know, I told Kelly as she was, like, walking inside of the house, I'm like, this sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah, Daniel had a, a rough start to this episode. Well, Very and I, th- I thought there would be more to it. <laughs> And I mean, spoiler for later, but like the the beginning of this episode is top heavy sadness because you know what's going on, and then you never talk to Tara again. And I hate this, and I think it drags it down because you don't hang out with Tara yeah, enough. It's a it's a big old bummer. Uh, if I had to put it into really eloquent, mm. you know, just really passionate essay about this episode, it's too bad. It's really too bad. I want to hear from our season six guide, Marty Noxon. Hey, do you want to read this? You can read this too. (laughs) Please no. (laughs) That's fine. Quote, we really wanted to make it pretty brutal and scary. I think the whole episode makes you feel... Like, things are going in one direction, and then kablooey, they go in another direction. It's also the episode that probably drew the biggest firestorm we've ever had, which was about killing Tara. We're still paying for that one, and I really understand a lot of people's issues with it. I really understand what a lot of people's issues are with it, but at the same time, it was, I think, dramatically the right choice. It was enlightening to see how iconic and important this character had become to the gay community and how painful it was to see one of our characters executed like that. Some people saw it as a statement because the girls were all naked and loving each other or loving on each other. And the thing, the next thing, you know, one of them is brutally killed. We had to say, well, look at the way the series has unfolded. We're clearly not homophobic or anti-gay. You just have to trust that that wasn't a comment. We did have thoughts of bringing Tara back in some way, but in our minds, it wasn't necessarily the end, but it was interesting to see how it heated, how heated and passionate a reaction it got. And then 
in 2018, uh, she was interviewed by Vulture because that was. I think that interview that I just quoted from the one I've been quoting from all season was during season seven. Uh, but then in an interview with Vulture, amongst a million other things, there was a whole interview. But there was a, a one quote that's relevant here. I think that killing Tara was, in retrospect, of all the people, did she have to die? <laughs> God damn it, Marty. <laughs> and just like, come on, man. You... Come on. Okay. All right. We'll stop. <laughs> oh, you better not. I've got a lot. You're going to have to hang, strap in, everyone. I was dreading doing this episode for so many reasons, and this was one of them. There's a lot of, like, I read so many articles. I looked at so much stuff. This took forever. So a note, a tangent before my tangent, if you will. A tangent on tropes. The idea of tropes. The concept of tropes. Tropes are just things, devices in fictions, story, common stories, common character arcs. They become tropes because they're often utilized the word trope has kind of a negative connotation and i feel like that's just because it, it implies that the writer is somehow being lazy yeah it's like right? hackney yeah hackney Hack- hackneyed yeah yeah hackneyed yeah i mean and, it depends on how you use it right and that's that's all it it's all context right it, it didn't shakespeare say something like there's only 20 stories and he wrote them all or whatever oh there's or like two plus. stories in the world someone goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town right right yeah that's the whole thing <laughs> it's like listen man you literally can't reinvent the wheel every time you're writing something things that have been used before in stories are often even better because what you're doing is either subverting it or you're building on it or all that matters is that you tell a good fucking story and who cares if star wars had a similar plot like it doesn't matter so i don't give a shit and like People get so hung up on this that they destroy themselves. Game of Thrones, self-immolated, trying to Don't avoid the doing so much. I'm so sorry. The show that should not be named. Self-immolated just to avoid anyone, God forbid, figuring out their fucking secret plan. That's what happens when you let people be afraid of tropes, okay? So, a trope for the sake of the word trope is not a bad thing. However... If there are things that are specifically harmful stereotypes that are baked into a trope that you're utilizing, that can be a problem, right? So, like, but even, you know, the idea of the, like, savage black man, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that was, I mean, fucking birth of a nation, right? Like, that whole idea of showing, you show people one way that a huge group of people, like, you're using a single character as a proxy for an entire swath of whatever community, of whatever background that person represents, and then every filmmaker after you just decides, like, yeah, that's probably a cool thing to do. Everyone liked that scene, so we're going to keep, like, I don't know, like, keep re- uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Re-emphasizing that plot or that point. And it, it does, whether or not the person you are, your experiences, whatever, you see that shit over and over again, it might seep in. And you might start to think that these things are true. And that's just how the world is because you're absorbing this fiction with a similar theme over and over again. So that's where the idea of like tropes, negative tropes can be a problem for sure. So this one is the this episode, Tara's death, is cited as being a part of the barrier gaze trope, which I'm not even ready to get into that. I've got two other layers of tropes first. <laughs> I was just in the neighborhood, so I thought, you know, there's a Knight Rider marathon on the TV, so I got hot wings. You remember the Hayes Code because you did an episode for us about that, it, right? Yeah. yeah. So the Hayes Code was um, early cinema in like the 1920s-ish, right? It was like a, yes. Um, yeah, it was like a moral code for uh, what could be shown in movie theaters and what couldn't and there were specific rules about what you had to adhere to like 
um, you couldn't show priests doing bad things because priests are always good and you shouldn't be implying anything else, those kinds of things. And then basically if you made a movie that didn't have those things, you were kind of blacklisted and stopped from being able to exhibit your movie at all. So people would follow the code because they kind of had to. Yeah, if you wanted to get your movie produced, you had to do what they said. So that was And that went all the way up to like the 60s. Yeah. And even... It just like that, those effects, that chilling effect of representing mm. anybody not heterosexual, white, mm. you know, whatever their idea of morality was, uh, it, it really lingered. Well, so even if it officially was disbanded in the 60s, that shit carries over. Well, it's also interesting because when you look at um, films that are produced pre-Hayes Code, a lot of them are would be shocking even to like today's audiences, the content and the um, images that they showed. And that's why it like inspired the Hayes Code. But like you think, I don't know, maybe it's not a common thing, but I feel like a lot of people have this idea that like the past was sort of like, you know, a little bit better because we've got like Leave It to Beaver and Women Wore Pearls and everything was like a little bit more refined. But honestly, movies were not like that. They were pretty um, adult. <laughs> And we talked about this on that episode. As soon as you could make porn, they were making porn. Oh, yeah. It just happened. Like, the instant. <laughs> yeah, doing drugs yeah. On, yeah. on movies, like, kissing everyone, all kinds of sex, no worries, and then, yeah. S-E-X. Sex. The, the Hayes Code, or era, you know, like that whole time frame that we're talking about, gave way to the psycho-lesbian trope. Uh, the... Requirements that deviant characters, and including all gay characters of any gender, uh, must not be made sympathetic or rewarded um, so that such characters will almost inevitably be toast before the final credits rolled. And this convention has persisted long after the demise of the code itself. So the psycho-lesbian trope is um, you can have a lesbian, but she's got to be a deviant. She's got to die. Right? Um, and she's got to die. She's got to be punished instantly. Right? So, so one of the first characters... Uh, lesbian characters ever on TV was a 1961 episode of the show called Asphalt Jungle. The episode is The Sniper. Uh, This one-season ABC police drama featured an episode about a rifle-toting, implicitly lesbian sniper who killed young pretty women out with their boyfriends. Uh, Basically, Miss Brant, (laughs) which is the name of the character, couldn't handle her attraction to the pretty young women and therefore had to kill them, which makes perfect sense. Delicious. I want to shout out Autostraddle because I got a lot of this info from them. Um, Reese, who was, has been like the creator and editor of all this stuff on there, she made uh, the 10 first ever lesbian characters on American TV, Killers, Tramps, Thieves, and Therapists, which is where I got this from, and then also um, Autostraddle's list of all the dead lesbians, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, things have gotten better as time has gone on, and while there aren't many, if any, examples of the Hayes Code's intentional killing of gay characters as punishment for the deviancy, we still have the... Barrier gaze trope, also known as dead lesbian syndrome. So I was a little confused about this too because I thought that the trope had was more specifically about if the character is killed. But it's really the, the presentation of deaths of, of gay characters where the characters are nominally able to be viewed as more expendable than their heterosexual counterparts. In this way, the death is treated as exceptional in its circumstances. In aggregate, queer characters are more likely to die than straight characters. Indeed, it may be because they seem to have less purpose compared to the straight characters because of their characters being you know, minimalized on the, the show or whatever. Uh, or that the supposed natural conclusion of their story is an early death. You're gay. Your life's going to be hard. You're going to die early. The problem isn't merely 
that gay characters are killed off. The problem is the tendency. This is the thing. For me, this is what codifies the barrier gaze trope. The problem isn't merely that gay characters are killed off. It's the, the problem is the tendency that gay characters are killed off in a story full of mostly straight characters or when the characters are killed off because they are gay. So it's got to, mm-hmm. to fit the, the negative stereotypes, right? It's got to be a clear example of we are punishing this person back to the, like the deviant psycho lesbian thing, right? Like she's going to die because she is bad because she is gay or it's, it does seem to be that, oh, we have a gay character on a show. We don't know what to do with them because we don't really want them to be a main character or they aren't actually a main character. Now they've fallen into the realm of tertiary character, a.k.a. killable character. I guess I've always understood barrier gays to be a little different. I thought it was about killing gay characters unintentionally. Like the death wasn't meant for them. Like in, oh, okay. like in this episode, Tara wasn't meant to die. Warren had no intention to kill her. He was aiming for Buffy. But somehow, miraculously, the only lesbian character on the show dies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the thing that I see a lot where it's like, this was an accident. They didn't mean to kill the person. Um, or the person wasn't meant to die or whatever. And it's always the gay character that that happens to. But maybe... I think it's that's that. a kind of an extrapolation of the idea that them becoming they're a tertiary character to the point where it's okay they are killable I think and it just and it just happens with the, it seems to happen with this weird what's what's alarming if you will to use that word is the frequency with which it happens to gay people thus the trope mm-hmm. so like Otto Straddle's list of all 225 as of March 31st 2022 uh, dead lesbian and bisexuals characters on TV and how they died you got to think right like on a show like Buffy even we have two gay we have two women who are in a relationship that's already a huge ratio of the like what eight main cast like two out of eight that's huge but usually you're on a show where the there's a single gay character and they're very tertiary they're not usually the main character and so for what that one gay character in a sea of straight characters to be the one that dies is like that's what skews it that's what makes it the, the bad thing. That's why it's bad. It's not that gay people aren't killable. Characters die. It can mean stuff and it's okay. And that's fine. But for just like, we had this character, especially, I think it's especially damning when you have it for clout in the first place. Like, we got our diversity point. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to do this. So let's just kill them off. <laughs> like, I don't know how you could prove that people did that. I'm sure you can, especially now since everything's on the internet all the time. But like, I, th- I think to me, the spirit of it, the trope is you did this because they're gay in some roundabout way. If they weren't gay, they might not have died. Right? I don't know. Mm, I forgot how good this could feel. Us together. Without the magic. There was plenty of magic. (laughs) I will leave my judgment to the end, but I have another one for you. I have another trope that no one really talks about in reference to this scene, but I thought it it was maybe more apt, which is stuffing a woman in a fridge. Have you ever heard the fridging a woman or yeah. the fridging trope? What is it? Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, my understanding of it, and apparently I don't understand tropes. No, no, no. Is, I, you're uh, not wrong. That's why this is so tricky, because you're not <laughs> wrong. And everyone has a different interpretation, so I went to try to find what it, it actually means, but I think if you ask any person on any given day, it's going to be a different thing. Anyway, fridging. What is fridging? Uh, so my understanding of it is that fridging is when we kill a female character solely for the purpose of pushing a male character into action, giving him character development. And I feel like I can't remember the like the basis of the trope for why it was called like f- putting her in a refrigerator aside from like you find a dead woman in a refrigerator. Um, it's right here if you want to read it. 
Yeah, but I want to talk about my stuff. I'm sorry, go ahead. Anyways, is that, uh, like, you know, like in NCIS and that kind of stuff, when you have, like, a cold open where a woman dies and then the main character has to go and, like, learn stuff about himself to solve the crime or whatever, that's kind of what I think about. And so I've definitely seen people where it's, like, you know, the show gets stagnant, the guy's girlfriend has to get killed, it's like, we're going to fridge her so that we can move this forward, so now he has a vendetta and we're going to, like, you know what I mean? So... That's the way I've seen it used. And I can see how you could apply this to Tara. I mean, usually it's about a man, like a male character's development. But in this case, you know, because they're gay together, that it's <laughs> it's a woman. So that's fine. But I mean, yeah, it really was. And Marty Noxon even like explicitly said, we did this because it was how we make Tara evil. Yeah. Or, or how we make like, Willow will yeah. evil. I mean, Amber Benson said in that, that interview, yeah. like, that's, we needed to do that to set Willow off. So uh, that's what immediately sprung to my mind, because uh, as you described it, that's actually 100% what the trope is. Um, comic book writer Gail Simone kind of coined or, like, codified the trope through her website, Women in Refrigerators. Uh, she compiled a list of instances of female comic book characters who were killed off as a plot device. The name is a reference to a storyline in Green Lantern, A New Dawn, in which the villain Major Force leaves the corpse of Kyle Rayner's girlfriend, Alexandra DeWitt, literally stuffed into a refrigerator for him to find. So, but that's that's 100% what it, what it is. Um, the So... Again, going back to the idea of not all tropes are necessarily bad. So fridging is often giving a very, very, as Stacia described, fridging is often given a very negative connotation as it is all too often a hallmark of supremely lazy writing, quickly hurting or killing an established character as cheap anger for the protagonist and devaluing the life of the character in the process instead of giving the villain something actually interesting to do that can involve all three characters and more emotions than simple anger and angst. I mean, I would make the argument it doesn't have to be Tara. It could have been a different character, and you still could have gotten the same emotional response from Willow. You think so? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. Really? Yeah. You think, like, if it was, if Buffy had just died, if it had just been Willow, you think she would have lost it? Because yeah, Buffy's already dying. I think Xander would be the best contestant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't think she would go there. I think you have to rework the season a little. Her and Tara haven't gotten back together yet, so she's still sad about Tara. She's been leaning heavily on Xander for support. Xander just recently lost his fiance, so they're like in it together and they're like little oh, commiserating yeah, yeah, together. Yeah. Little and then bachelors, they're both just like have right? beards and like, yeah. beer on the ground and stuff. Yeah. And then Xander dies, uh, maybe even to add an an additional emotional gut punch to save Willow or something, or even just accidentally like with Tara and Willow loses it. Cause she's like, this is my one friend I've had since kindergarten. He gave me his fucking crayon. You could still like work all that stuff yeah. in. Right. And then you have her go to end the world and Tara has to come and be like, this is not who you are. And she's the one that pulls oh, that would be Xander so back. <laughs> And then Willow's like, I love you so much. How could I destroy a world that still has you in it? Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> but we don't do that. I've never <laughs> considered that. That's incredible. <laughs> Podcast over. I don't want to think about the show for another minute if that's not how it really happens. <laughs> so the birds are flying again, eh? I love Grant. And it would have, like, ranging 
ranging like implications further than just Willow. Like Willow is devastated that Tara is dead, but no one else really cares because Tara is like a tertiary character. But if Xander dies, like Buffy has to deal with that. Dawn has to deal with that. Maybe Spike deals with that somehow. Like it would be on uh, Anya a big fucking deal. Yeah, on it. Anya <laughs> yeah. dealing with like I'm never gonna have a resolution to this. <laughs> That's such a great idea. <laughs> I wanted something anything to make these feelings stop. I just wanted it to stop. You should have let him kill me. Okay, I'm going to read this even though we're kind of moving on because I wrote all this shit so you guys are going to hear it. So, please. I said I read a lot of shit and I am not kidding you. I read a lot of shit. People and Marty Noxon also did not understate. This was a shitstorm. People were fucking livid. And I love it. I love to hear it. I love to see it. Like, I saw it at the time, but I love to, like, go back. And I told you I was reading this guy's blog. Um, I'm going to actually shout him out by name now. Mark Field. And the the blog is Mark Field. And the blog is Fragments of My Imagination. So he's reviewing this stuff in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I've been leaning on his stuff to help me research a little bit, too. So that's really nice. And, like... I gotta, you gotta give credit where credit's due, man. Anyway, so he's o- older than me, so I like, I, I don't know. I mean, I was fourteen going through this at this time, so it's not like I didn't know what's going on. Anyway, it's cool to see him talk about it then and now, but also then because it was twenty thirteen. So one of the many things I read was most of a incredibly long essay by a woman named Judith Tabron, uh, who wrote on, on the Slayage website. I guess I don't know. Anyway. She's commenting on this guy, Robert Black. Remember that name because it's going to matter later, but not for a while, so you'll forget for sure. She's commenting on his essay, quote-unquote, if you will, that was on a different website. His essay is, it's not homophobia, but that doesn't make it right. Uh, So I guess she's quoting but not quoting, paraphrasing. It might not be homophobia to kill a lesbian character off, Black argues, but to depict lesbians' death by violence as... To depict a lesbian's death by violence as taking place in the bedroom where she had just been making love to her lover. Ew! You can't... Sorry, I'm going to Liz Lemon for a second. I only appreciate the word lover when it's between the words meat and pizza. Anyway, uh, (laughs) so I'd just been making love to her lover and incidentally, the first lesbian love scene permitted by the network... Ain't cricket? I don't know what that means. British people are weird. This image, Black argues, can be homophobic even if the storyline, or even if the intent is not. Tara laying dead and Willow thus being inspired to run amok and try to destroy the world are images that reinforce rather than subvert or escape the dead evil lesbian cliches that have run rampant throughout popular media and in in parentheses, at least I would add, since the publication of the horrifyingly influential novel The Well of Loneliness in 1928. I can't even start to get into the well of loneliness because I, I didn't know what it was before I started this, and it's a whole fucking thing by itself. But it's a novel about lesbians and that was published in 1928. Hmm. The end. So that everyone knows, my opinion is clear. I do not think, either in the definition of barrier gaze, that is a overt negative consequence of lesbian sex, or in your definition of barrier gaze where, well, I mean, yours definitely fits, where a character that <laughs> the bullet was not intended for dies and they just happen to be gay. Like, it's always the fucking gay one that gets the stray bullet. Uh, I, I do not think that the writers of this show, Joss Whedon himself, anybody involved, had any sense of malice towards gay people in their hearts, even a bit, 
when writing this scene or this show. I don't. I do not think I that think played a factor. That's a different discussion. I yeah, mean, but people just, conflate the thing. But even just going back to the quote you just said about from Jude. Judith to Braun when she said um, this image she argues can be homophobic even if the storyline or even the intent is not which I think is the issue it, it doesn't matter what their intent is they can the scene itself the choices they made could still be homophobic and I think you can make the argument that it is I think you can but I disagree that, that yes that's you my don't think point. it's I think that you can make that argument. I don't think that I don't think that was their intent, and I guess that's the whole point. Right? Like their intent doesn't matter. Yes. I am somebody who death think of the that, author. I I think that intent always matters. I think context <laughs> always matters. And in this level, and in a human level, and in an interpersonal level, and a global civilization lawmaking level, I think intent and circumstance and context matter. It's one thing when you're talking about a crime. It's another thing when you create media media for people to consume and they aren't necessarily going to read your quotes after the fact where you talk about how you didn't mean to hurt their feelings. Excellent point. So, And I don't think you should put that on the audience to say, well, even if you saw something that upset you, you need to go and make sure that it's okay that you're upset because the <laughs> creator might not have meant to upset you. <laughs> so that's my issue with that. I understand they did not intend to, however... This is something that, you know, you don't get to say your critique on it. You made what you made and you put it out into the world and the way that people react to it is there's their feelings to have and you can't. So that's why I'm like, it doesn't matter what their intent was. And I agree. I don't think that they were trying to be homophobic. I mean, it was a big deal for them to have, you know, a gay relationship in this story. Uh, but still, the way that Tara dies, I have issues with. If they had even just made it so that, you know, Warren grabs Tara and then he shoots her on purpose to, mm. you know, hurt Buffy's feelings or something like that. Just not him randomly shooting into nowhere and then it just, of course, immediately killing Tara. And obviously Joss is like, and we just got them back together so it pulls on your heartstrings even harder. Like, I think that sucks. I think it fucking sucks. And I think you can definitely make arguments that the reason why Tara dies is because she was gay. Because if she wasn't gay and she wasn't there with Willow, she wouldn't have died. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, how far can you pull on that thread before there's no sweater TV show left? Like, I mean, yeah. it could have been Dawn standing there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, we'll stop. Oh, you better not. I just, I think because we have had this episode and this scene for 20 years to sit with, it feels like it was inevitable that someone had to die or someone had to be standing there and Tara was the only one who made sense. But you could have written this episode any way you wanted to. He didn't have to shoot randomly up into a window. And that's the thing that gets me is like, of the ways to kill Tara, this is the way you chose. And that irritates me. If she had died because she had tried to save someone, because she had been standing there and they were fighting, I would have a way less issue with it. But the fact that she dies for no reason other than to upset the audience and to cause will to become evil is really frustrating especially considering the fact that Tara has had a shitty life her entire life she was abused by her family she was mind sucked by Glory she's abused by Do by Don she's abused <laughs> by Willow she's finally finally about to be happy and the show is like no you're not allowed to be happy you're dead <laughs> I don't know <laughs> all very valid points I'm more commenting on like the whole Outrage and a hundred percent saying that it's like this was a homophobic intentional thing and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
No, I agree. But I think part of, at least to me, barrier gaze trope is the fact that it is always unintentional, that you're just yeah. like, whoops, I guess it was the gay character. Yeah. No, Didn't I mean, think about that. <laughs> apparently that, that show that I never watched, even though there are lesbians on it and I like, I have to resist the that urge as I, yeah, the 100, the whole Clark and Alexa thing. I know them by name. I've seen every screenshot of that show with them in it because of Tumblr. So like, and the people I follow well, on Tumblr, I should say, she gets shot by a fucking stray bullet too. Yes. And in uh, Walking, Walking Dead, Dead, the girl gets the fucking arrow through her eye. Also not meant for her. Also not meant for her. It was and supposed then to be that fucking dude. It was supposed to be have, Abraham or whatever the fuck is. Abraham. We have Pusey in Orange is the Not Black who's accidentally strangled, mm-hmm. which was so fucked up. And I get that Orange is the New Black has a higher percentage of queer characters than uh, Buffy. most shows. <laughs> but the, it's the fact yeah. that it's still accidental. It's yeah. one thing if you go after a lesbian and you're like, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? To be like, you you know, whatever consequences led to this point. But another thing to just be like, sorry, I guess you were just in the wrong place in the wrong time. And it always feels like it's a gay person that that happens to. Listen, I cannot overstate how much I hate that she died. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get into it because I'm not going to cry on a podcast that no one listens to. This is a very silly thing because this, (laughs) because I can't get into how much this like stupid show meant to me. Lots of things. Look, we're moving on. No, I just, I want to say one more thing that I just, I was thinking of is I think part of the reason why we're struggling is because when it came out, I don't know that barrier gaze was a trope, even if it wasn't defined that way, if that was a thing that you found like commonly in media, Mm -hmm. just because there weren't that many gay people in media. Um, But so in hindsight, looking at it, this feels like an iconic instance of what I think of as a barrier gaze trope. But at the time, it doesn't feel like that. And so to say... While they were doing it, they were being ignorant of that trope. You can't make that argument because it wasn't a thing for them to be aware of, despite the fact that they did sort of maliciously, carelessly kill her. <laughs> you, that is an excellent point to bring up, too, that this is one of the landmark ones, man. So yeah. when you're one of the first that's building this theory, building this trope, yeah, how beholden are you to this future that you didn't realize I mean, you're starting? It's much more damning. It would be so much more damning to do this scene today. Yeah. After everything that's, you know, all the other media and TV shows and everything that's come before it, to do this scene now would be a lot more damning than it is in the past. But that said, I still think it's problematic. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. When did morning happen? After the moon went down. (laughs) Now, even though we've already spent a very long time talking about... Tara, as if this was the most important part of the episode, as if this could have been the only part of the episode. There was a whole other fucking many parts of this episode. <laughs> Some Who gives how. a shit? It doesn't matter. I, we it have to talk matter. about it. Okay? Sorry, two-hour episode. <laughs> I have to go to my notes. I'm sorry. I forgot what else is happening on this episode. I see Tara. Yeah, you gotta I get react. that picture off the screen. Come on, man. It's been yeah. up there for the last half hour. That's fucking what, are we, what do you want? Sorry, what do you want? What do you what want? What about you Clem want... with the chicken bucket? <laughs> do you have, do you, can I please get Clem with chicken bucket? Yeah, yeah there you go. Clem with the chicken bucket. <laughs> yeah, Clem. There we go, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Xander, what I do with my personal life is none of your business. It used to be. Did it, though? Did it, though? Is my question to both of you. So, we talked about this last week uh, when Xander was being Xander, and basically being like, why would you sleep with Spike and not with me? He didn't say that, but that was clearly his feelings about the whole situation. So is Xander really mad in this moment because Buffy goes to him to, I don't know why. Why did she just pick that moment? Because she's worried about her friend? I guess we're supposed to believe they're friends, right? 
they are friends, I suppose. So is Xander really mad about Buffy for not telling him about Spike? Or is it just the stuff from last week that he's jealous? Uh, or, you know, like, you would you, you would sleep with that creep, but not me of it all kind of situation? Or, because uh, when have they ever talked about their relationships? When have they ever talked about Buffy's relationship? Is that something he should be even expecting from Buffy? Or would he really even want to know the details of her relationships? I know that's many questions in one. Mm. So, Stacia, what the fuck is the deal with Xander? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because it's like, well, what is a private life? Like, what's your private life? Is that different than your personal life? Like, they're not colleagues. They're coworkers. They're friends. They have a personal relationship. So your private life is your sex life then? Is that how we're defining it? It must yeah, be. I mean, that's none of his business. I mean, that being said, he did make it his business in the past, like when he followed Willow or followed Willow, God damn it, followed Buffy and then ripped her a new one for letting Riley leave and then breaking <laughs> Buffy's heart even harder when she ran for Riley and didn't make it. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and he clearly had strong feelings that he let Buffy know about Angel. So, I mean, they've interacted about her like romantic life previously, but there definitely is, I understand Buffy's undercurrent of like, just like, shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> this is really none of your business. Yeah. Do you think Xander wants to hear about this shit? Like she, Buffy has talked to Willow, I would imagine like more intimately about her life with boys mm. than, than she would Xander. I think that it's probably common for heterosexual women to talk to their girlfriends about their sex lives more so than, like, random dudes. I mean, not random, mm. or even male friends, just because, especially one that has a crush on you. That's just, like, that you know. Like, yeah. Buffy has clearly kept parts of her relationship from Xander because when she tells him, he flips the fuck out. So don't you think it's rich that Xander would be like, why don't you tell me all the nitty-gritty that I don't want to hear? I do. I think you could listen to our last episode where I do two and a half <laughs> minutes of, of Xander being a weirdo. And you can understand uh, all of his clips of every time he's been a weirdo. Right. He's wrong. Well, about it. so like even going back, something I forgot until looking at um, stuff for this episode. Remember all the way back in season two after Angel loses his soul. It's during Becoming Part One. Uh, Xander lies about what Willow says to Buffy. So Willow um, got hurt or knocked out and she's in the hospital with Oz. And like they're trying to do this, the restoration spell for Angel's soul. Uh, mm. And mm -hmm. Willow says, tell Buffy to Xander, if you catch up with her, tell Buffy that I'm I'm working on it or it worked or something or like. Well, no, I think it was like stall him if you can or yeah. something like right, that. Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't work until right, you know, the right, instant right. that it. Yeah. Whatever. And she needed a little extra time. And then when Xander gets there, he was like, oh, right. Buffy. Willow said, like, give, give him, him hell. hell. Kick his ass. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> even though she didn't know about that, and it's unclear if she ever actually. Oh, no, she does. It. I guess because in Dead Man's Party, she's like, remember what you said to me? Yeah. Kick his ass. And then Willow's like, I never said. And then yeah. we kind of cut away. So it is a little unclear if she ever knew that he lied. Um, but he's proved himself time and time again that he cannot deal with the truth of her life. So I wanted to contrast that with Willow's reaction to finding out about Spike, right? 
Willow says, how could she hide something from, like that from me? And Tara says, I think she was afraid of the look you would get on your face, kind of like the one you're wearing now. And Willow says, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to understand. And Tara says, so is she. And Willow does seem like she's coming from an empathetic, understanding place. Like, of, of course, course she I would be. You know, like, it's weird, but I love you and I want to take care of you. Xander, dickhead immediately. Why would you? Like, I mean, we talked about just, it last week. Why would you expect him not to I'm glad to you be. brought up the Riley thing that um, mm-hmm. Xander made that worse. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is, this is what this guy does. Buffy's having a terrible experience with a man. Xander comes in, makes it worse. He <laughs> wants to be Riley. Honestly, Thanks, he wants to be Riley. He just isn't yeah. Riley. Well, yeah, and he yeah. was sort in of a shooter man or whatever, you know, like military man. Like, shooter man? Yeah, oh, absolutely. army man. Oh, yeah. So, shooter. shooter man. Shooter man. I was like, are you talking about Warren? What the fuck? Sleep with yeah. me. Because he's insecure. He's an insecure little boy. All right. Uh, let's talk about Spike, baby. Let's talk about him and Buffy. Hey, oh, nice. Nice. Buffy. <laughs> Ask me again why I could never love you. Because I stopped you. Because that ain't going to stop it. Rapid fire. Why did he do this? Why would he have stopped? Would he have stopped if Buffy hadn't uh, stopped him? Is he redeemable? Stacia, why did they do this uh, to us? I hate this scene. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, I'm dealing with it. I feel like I'm dealing with it the same way I've been dealing with it for the last six years, which is denial. Because I was just like, he couldn't, he didn't really mean to rate Buffy because his chip would have stopped him. And then later I'm like, his chip doesn't work on Buffy. That doesn't make sense. But I'm like trying to find justifications for like why he would do that. Uh, Because it's just like, it's fucked up and I don't want to believe it. But like, I mean, he does and it's fucked up and there's no excuse for it. I don't know. I don't know why I want it to be something that it's not because generally I would just be like fuck these characters but I find Spike to be a compelling character isn't that interesting like morally gray characters I guess this was very morally dark gray thing to do (laughs) (laughs) he does see himself as repulsive for what it's worth but like it's still Mm. he's not great but that's good storytelling it's even easier to like sweep this scene under the rug as fucked up as it is and you shouldn't do that. I'm not saying that you should because Tara dies in this fucking episode. It's like people, you know, even reading the quotes is like, this is the most outrageous episode of Buffy because Tara dies. Oh, and by By the the way, way, (laughs) Spike tries to rape Buffy. Like that doesn't even really get mentioned because of that other thing. And I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't think so, but like, it's fucked up. It's not fair. You don't let either of those things land. You don't get a beat. And you could be like, maybe that's the whole point. It's just it's that life comes at you, man. Yeah. <laughs> you just sometimes you could do it all by itself but, and have a whole episode on that idea. And they yeah, don't. Several episodes. And I don't. I don't blame them. But it's. But the it gets back to dealing what we're saying. With the thing. You, know, it, it, you don't have to. But it does make it easy to bury. Yes. And this is not something we talk about again. Like, eventually her and Spike yeah. reconcile, and it is not something that gets talked about. Well, so that's why I had to read that thing at the top. Because they hint at it in a season seven episode. They almost bring it up, but they never actually talk about it. Nobody. None of the characters. And it's not until season ten that it, of the comics that they actually have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 
egregious. Mm. It ends up feeling like a weird fluke, like it wasn't meant to happen, which I think is why in my head I want to be like, so it didn't happen. And, you know, the characters treat it like it didn't happen, but it's fucked up. And the more that we talk about this episode, the more I feel like this episode is not middling. It's bad. Everything was handled poorly. We should not have put these two things in an episode together. We needed to give Buffy her space. And we need to give Tara a better death Mm. um, if if we're really going to kill her. And... It's just, it's fucked fucked up. up. I agree. I found something interesting in my research about this scene that I did not know. It's kind of long, but this is from a 2012... Uh, interview. How with... you did a I lot love of it. research and proud of I'm you. I'm so thankful. This is the <laughs> I, episode I could to not, do it. Listen, the the through line, my mantra through this whole thing is that I just not want to do a disservice to 14 year old me. I was mm-hmm. like, when I was 14 years old, and this show was like meant literally these two characters, Willow and Tara, meant more to me than real life human beings. That they were like, again, I'm not going to go into it. The end of that sentence. But I I was like, don't do. 14-year-old you dirty. This is your fucking soapbox moment that you've been waiting 20 years to, to fucking talk about. So just talk about it. And at 2012, 411mania.com interview with James Marsters. By the way, 411mania is still a website. I do not think it's the same 411mania <laughs> as it was in 2012. It was all weird UFC stuff. So anyway... <laughs> 411 the amount of wayback machine I had to use during the research was pretty intense anyway. it's real research baby quote from James Marsters I do understand why they did it, but I still think it was a mistake. The truth is the writers on Buffy were being incredibly brave. Joss was asking each of them to come up with their most painful day, their most humiliating day, the day that they made the biggest fools of themselves or the day that they hurt someone else the most and then put a patina of fangs and blood over that. Basically, that's why I think why the series is so delightful because the bravery of the writers on that score. One of the writers, a female writer, now this is in hindsight, people have said that it's Marty Noxon. I don't I couldn't find any corroborating evidence. She's never, like, I couldn't find something that she said this. But someone at some point inserted that it was Marty Noxon. So anyway, but what he said verbatim, he did not say her name. So he said one of the female writers uh, had a situation in her life where she and her boyfriend were breaking up. And she decided if she just made love to him one more time that they wouldn't break up. She ended up trying to force herself on him and decided to write about that. The thing is, if you flip it and make it a man forcing himself on a woman, I believe it becomes a whole different thing. Even though Buffy is super strong, even though she kicks him through a wall at the end of it, how it plays to the audience changes when you change the sex in that way. It worked out and everything, but I'm not really sure it expressed what the author was intending. And on that score, it was not successful. I think it was a big risk for everybody, but I think if she could have found a female character to express that with, it would have gotten a lot closer to what she was trying to say. And I'm not really sure that that's what we got with that episode. And I agree 100%. If that is really the true origin story Mm. of this scene, it 100% changes when it's Mm. a man attacking a woman, and that's just a fact. I mean, fair, unfair, whatever you want. Assault is assault, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to open that worm can that is already halfway open, but, like, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it does not read the same. So after hearing all that from James Marsters himself, does that change any feeling about the scene for you? I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I wish they had done it the way James Marster said. Yeah. If you had to do it and had had a woman doing that instead of Spike, um, because it doesn't come off as that. I mean, it just, I don't know. The stakes are so much higher when you know the the guy can hurt her. Like, I, I just, 
you know, if if it's uh, especially okay, ninety eight pound Sarah Michelle Geller trying to attack six foot two, two hundred sixty pound David Boreanaz, like in real life, you know what I'm saying? Like that, mm-hmm. you're not going to believe that as a threat. She's never in a second going to be a threat to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is a threat. And, and like Buffy, they had to immobilize Buffy. They had to make her break a fucking gravestone. And even though she's had worse injuries and we don't want to like, get into that. And they like put her in the robe yeah. so she's already like Half uh, vulnerable. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, even putting it outside, it, they wanted it to be a guy that can clearly hurt her is about to hurt her and there's nothing she can do. They wanted her to be powerless in that moment and that's yeah. so anti-Buffy and so scary and fucked up but probably true to life. I'm sure there are countless women that have been in this situation and worse and it's like sucks and that's why this scene is bullshit. Another thing they chose not to do is put him in vampire face. Mm. A lot of people had that as a comment as to a negative that that could have been an out, an easy out of like a moment of like a weakness where the monster took him over, but mm-hmm. they obviously did not want that. They wanted mm-hmm. you to know Spike the person, mm-hmm. not Spike the vampire, did this to Buffy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why did they need that so bad? I don't know. It's just, I think putting him in vampire face would have made the whole case of, I want this monster out of me, mm-hmm. made that way stronger. Agreed. Um, but in, instead, they, they and they wanted this to happen, and then to not talk about it. I think maybe they regretted it. Like otherwise, why never bring it up? Why never like yeah deal with it? Yeah, recognize for this for being the heinous thing that it is because they yeah. they don't. And okay, so here's a really gross question slash take. Do you think what he did was in any way reasonable for what his character was feeling at the time? Like, do you think this was an out of move? out of character moment for what he's feeling like I've been caught up and been in situations where you feel out of control of your body and you're just like yelling and screaming or acting in a way that like in rational more rational times you would never do that thing is this just a case of like it got out of hand and he would have maybe stopped I don't know I don't like to ask I mean the obvious answer Mm. is no regardless of if that's true or not it's reprehensible like, it's not good. It, it just isn't good. Yeah. He also said that he would never, ever do a scene like this ever again. Yeah, I I do remember hearing that he really struggled filming it, and he had a really hard time and said he was never going to do it again, and he didn't want to. Yeah, no, I don't. So Don't blame him. Respect to the actor himself. They uh, definitely also tried to maybe shape his mindset after the fact with the scene with Clem, right? Yeah. He's not only is he feeling a little tortured or whatever about, about what he just did, but he's also like, why didn't I, I am a monster. If I am a monster, why didn't yeah. I just do the thing? Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, we're supposed to think that he's way more conflicted. I just wish they would have put him in vamp face. Like that just really, it would have been helped so much. Stuff. It would have been easier, but it would have been less messy. And sometimes, you kind of need that ambiguity. I mean, it is it is interesting. You have that scene with Xander earlier where, you know, Buffy's like, when I was gone, you let Spike babysit Dawn. And he was like, yeah, but I never forgot what he really was, you know. And then we ha- have this moment where you see Spike as he, as Xander would say, he really is. And it's like, how do you, I mean, he is that person. And that sucks. But oh. he's also like. I meant to bring that up with the Xander stuff. That's a, He's right. Xander is right in that moment. He's a dickhead, and this is a stupid conversation that they're having. But never. D- Buffy would have never left on with him pre-chip. Never. He was mm. the bad yeah. guy of season yeah. two. Like but Things do things change. change. And he is I not know, things bad. Change, but and like, he loves Dawn. 
and, and Xander is immovable and unchanging, and he's got his stupid ideas, and he's never going to get over that. But I still think it's valid to bring it up. Like, it's not valid in the way that he's using it to hurt Buffy when, like, things have changed. You know they have changed. But you're talking about a hypothetical situation wherein Spike did not change, and he's a murderous psycho. Yeah, we probably would have already fucking killed him by then. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if things weren't different, he would be dead. I have feelings for you. I do. But it's not love. I could never trust you enough for it to be love. I did wonder when I was watching the scene afterwards when Buffy says, like, ask me again why I could never love you. Uh, like, why she doesn't just kill him right there. Because her back <laughs> like, hurts. But how does that end? Like, we just see that and then it's gone. And, like, he's already gone. But, like, how does he leave? Does she say, get, get the fuck out of here and never come back? Does he just, like, scamper away? Like, what is, I just, I don't know. I want to know how that ended. I assume he just said nothing right away. But maybe, maybe he, he, I don't know, maybe she said something else. So, Daniel first watched the show in 2013, as we mentioned multiple times. Stacia, you watched it in, like, 2008? Yeah, probably. When you watched it, Stacia, did you know Tara was going to die at any point and also before this episode? Like, did you have, was it like a Well, I knew that she was going to die after I watched this episode. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I guess more what I went was like during this episode, did you have a feeling or like mm-hmm. at any point did, had Jenna, your shepherd, your Buffy shepherd, had she ever uh, told you that Tara died? No. Okay. No, I didn't know. And did you get a feeling during the episode that it was coming? No, because it's not supposed to. Excellent. Daniel, I don't remember most of my life as we've talked about. No, so did I spoil this me, for you? Jenna style <laughs> right through. <laughs> uh, no, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. And I don't think my uh, love for Tara is as pronounced as it is today as it was back then because it all happened so fast. And I was shocked, shocked, Mm -hmm. shocked, shocked. And I was pissed, pissed, pissed. I wish I could remember us watching it so I could remember how you reacted. Because I remember, like, I remember so clearly how pissed you were when they introduced Dawn. (laughs) Like, how just, like, standing up and yelling mad you were. So it it was... Surprising. You were both shocked. You did not see it coming. Yeah. Um, so the reason I bring this up, not only because I care about you and your opinions and I want to know what how you experience things because it's interesting for me. Uh, really why I asked is because this episode and like I was so glad researching this because I thought I fucking made this up, but I didn't. It was real and it happened. This episode was transmitted to Canadian affiliates a week early by accident. Although none of them broadcasted the episode by mistake, the episode was leaked onto the internet more than a week before it was meant to air. The UPN did not transmit this episode incorrectly. The mistake was made by Fox International Satellite Sa- International's satellite uplink facility. Tangent number 18. There's a website, Once Upon a Time, and still operational Whoa. to this day. Just got my username back. You're goddamn right. What Called. Was your username? <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's Automaton Flux. I, I, like, I just got oh. my user, uh, username again. Not my old one. She asked oh. if I wanted my old one back. I was like, there's zero chance I know what it was. Zero chance. Mm. From the kitten board. The kitten, the witch, is the bad wardrobe. Was a, it was and is a forum of mostly lesbians <laughs> coming together to talk about Willow and Tara and almost nothing but Willow and Tara. <laughs> and it's still going for 20 years, baby. Jesus. They're still around. So, the kitten board. This is a quote from uh, Mark Field, the blogger guy's blog. Despite its limited focus, the kitten board was widely read. That's not just because fans of the relationship hung out there, but also because one of the posters there, Robert Black, if you'll remember from earlier in this episode, the guy that wrote one of the many essays that I quoted in this thing, uh, 
had the best spoiler sources on the net. Those who wanted to be spoiled, not me, this is Mark talking, uh, and to debate the show before episodes even aired, read the kitten board. Black knew what was coming in seeing Red, of course. He made sure that the whole kitten board knew too. The spoilers on this event were so widespread, not all of them coming from Black, that they even became known to people like me who were spoiler phobic with the personally annoying result that the episode didn't have its intended impact on me. So I don't know... Uh, I knew this was going to happen the week before it happened. And I cannot tell you the devastation that I felt when I'm just trying to read my escapist Willow and Tara fan fiction on my favorite little website and then comes across the board, fucking Tara is going to die. So I remember watching this episode on UPN the night it aired being like, she's not dead. She's not dead. She's not dead until 43 fucking minutes in and then she dies. And I just like denied it for 43 full minutes and then it happened. And it's just like, sure. there's not words to describe how Tara? upset I was then and still am. <laughs> but at least the entire force of all lesbians on the kitten board and anyone who came across it was felt because this was, again, the biggest Buffy shitstorm of all time. <laughs> so I... <laughs> all this to say, I was a small part of history. <laughs> this, is what, this is what this is all about. So and then they ask, where were you when? Then? Yeah, exactly. Where were you May 7th, 2002? Unfortunately, seeing the past profits fruition come to bear. <laughs> Just fucking God. Anyway. Terrible. I think this episode is better knowing that she's going to die. Because you can really savor those moments. As Daniel, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, it's like, you know, every second of this is precious. And even if it's goofy or even if you wish it would last longer, you get it. Cause, and you know it matters more because it's going to be gone. And it's just like, anyway. Okay. Last question. I know we've been going on a very long time. But again, this, this is, is 20 episode. years in the making, folks. Mm-hmm. This is the episode. <laughs> Say goodnight, bitch. Good night, bitch. I blame all of my future bad decisions on Mark Field, blogger at Fragments of My Imagination. He had a question or a theory. Is Tara the price? Spike says in Afterlife, there's always a price, always. And when everyone's talking about the Tomogenesis, Anya says, well, technically, the to- referring to the Tomogenesis, the, the a free gift with guy. purchase. Yes. Technically, that's not a price. That's a gift with purchase. Was Tara's fate sealed when Willow killed the fawn? The, the reason I think that he adds a little more weight to this is because the Angel episode that aired the week before this was called The Price. Um, I don't want to do an Angel update because I didn't watch enough of the show to do one. You can play the <laughs> roll Angel update <laughs> sound effect here. An Angel update. But just, just so everyone's... Perfect. Now we don't have to make any other music. Angel and Darla had a baby. Mm, a weirdo honor. came from the past slash another dimension to steal the baby. Somehow Wesley got embroiled in this scheme and they were successful in stealing the baby. They took it to this other dimension. Like Jumanji world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Where this guy named Holtz, who was basically a proxy for... Um, Van Helsing. Uh, oh, and Laurel Holloman is his like, henchman, and everybody that's a lesbian knows who Laurel Holloman is. She was on The L Word, and also she was an incredibly true adventure of girl, two girls in love. Right? Yeah, incredibly true adventure of two girls in love. 
Uh, I think she does die in Angel. Does she die in the L word? No. No. She's not a lesbian in Angel, though. So, you know, different discussion. Anyway, so Angel's baby got abducted and taken to another dimension. He did not handle it well. So he does some kind of dark magic spell involving torturing some people at Wolfram and Hart. Uh, and it's not successful, but also it is successful. Nevertheless, the following episode, or two episodes after that, they have this episode called The Price, where they discover that at the hotel that Angel Investigations is in, there is a Tomogenesis situation where there's a spiritual being that's been created as a byproduct of using dark magic. And it's like totally all over the place in the hotel. So a guy walks in, he gets infected with one of the Tomogenesis and dies. And Fred gets infected with one, which is why we care. Tough. And she almost dies. But they're able to save her at the end because that's what we do. We save our friends until we don't because Fred dies for real. Don't forget. So Mark's uh, theory here is that that was like a spoiler to him that this was going to be the reason that like he knew that it was going to happen because Tara is whatever, whatever. I thought his reasoning about the angel thing at all, I don't believe, but it is it, cool to bring it back up just to put it back in your mind because I think it is an interesting theory. So, and we want to give Tara's death a little more meaning. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, this is a nice way to do that. We talked a lot about how this was a senseless, not meant for her bullet, didn't need to die situation. So, Stacia, if this is true, if this is actually some cosmic, fucked up, destinied thing where Willow never actually paid for what she did, which was bringing Buffy back a life for a life, we never paid that debt. Is that why Tara Ooh. dies? Ooh. No. Ooh. Interesting. Daniel, what do you think? Dude, I, how does she have to pay for fucking Willow and Xander's sins? Like, I, it's not her yeah. fault. Well, is Willow not paying? Yeah. I didn't think about that. You're right. Not if you think about it in like a Hammurabi. What is the eye for an eye? Yeah. yeah. In the next episode, when she tries to bring Tara back, doesn't she call on Hecate? Uh, Osiris. Osiris. Yeah. Osiris. 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 Yes. Thank you. It's the same god that she called on to bring Buffy back, and she calls on him again to bring Tara back, and basically he says, "No, she died a natural death." I don't think he would have said that if she had died as a price for bringing Buffy back. She yeah. died a natural death. That was a human death. He didn't say, no, I can't bring her back because it's the price for bringing Buffy back, which I think is what he would have said if that was. Yeah, I mean, you could you could also spin that as like, it wasn't Osiris that did it, but there was, you know, they play so much with, more with the powers of B stuff on Angel than we ever do. Yeah, they do. So I'm sure you could definitely spin that into like, oh yeah, it wasn't him. He had nothing to do with that shit. We took this as an opportunity. Hey, the rules is the rules, man. And we saw an advantage that no one else took and we took it. So now we've got a super fucking weapon in Willow to cause some, some damage, which is what we wanted in the first place, you know? Ooh, if you're an evil, like spooky god, and your goal is to so wreak havoc on her, you don't think you don't think that the price paid for bringing Buffy back would not be exacted by the god who did that deed? Oh no, what you said makes total sense. But I'm well, just no, saying, I'm saying I'm asking you: Is that what you're thinking? That it would be a different god that would request a price for that, even though they weren't involved? Uh, I definitely didn't think of that specifically at all <laughs> until you mentioned something that contradicted my very flimsy theory that I uh, bandwagoned onto. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> wanted to understand, and then I ruined it. And there, and there are, like, again, it, you have to go into angel lore, with, which I am loath to do. But you could see, maybe not, 
it had nothing to do with Osiris or whatever, but there, there, like I say, like what if it was just we we know the rules are when you bring someone back to life, you have to pay a life, a life for a life. That makes sense. You know, the the Kota yeah. Hammurabi stuff has been like that's an old idea, an old fable situation, whatever. So, sure. some other trickster god is like, hey, no one cashed this in yet. This is just laying on the table. Osiris is sleeping on the fucking job. I'm going to take that because I want the world to end and that is a weapon and I'm taking it. So I'm going to kill her girl- girlfriend and have her end the fucking world because that's what I want. Would they need that to happen or could they just do it anyways? I mean, not if they're trapped in their like heaven, hell dimension or whatever and they can't get through. They need a mortal instrument to do it. I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, I mean. Could do it. I don't know. Huh. Okay. I love it. Anyway, you were right. The answer is no. I'm sorry. I don't think she was the price. But if she was, they could have, again, Stacia fixes the show. This, you know, Sometimes we have episodes of Daniel fixes the show. This is Stacia fixes the show. She fixed the show by saying, let's kill Xander, and it would be awesome. <laughs> and then now she fixed the show by saying, if Tara was the price, let's give her life meaning after the fact. If we couldn't give her life meaning in the death itself by making her the price for Buffy's resurrection, by simply saying... No, Willow, because you brought your fucking friend back. We already did you a solid. This was the goddamn price. Deal. Deal. That's all they had to say. Willow's still mad. Almost nothing has to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she takes it slightly differently and kills herself. I guess that's why you could maybe not want to add that in. You know, but she she's essentially going to kill herself to end the world anyway. So she's already on that path. So I think that you have to change nothing. And that one line makes it a little more significant that Tara got a stray bullet. Suddenly the stray bullet's not so stray. It was a means to an end that was always going to happen. And you fucking Ooh. did it to her. And you did it to her Ooh. in September. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway. Ooh. The slowest bullet. The slowest bullet. <laughs> I mean, that would also fix the fact that Tara's death is like random. random. Yeah. yeah. She was going to die whether it was this way or another way. I just think that would be so good. And you can feast on that forever. Willow could just, like, she already is sad that Taro dies for, you know, yeah. till the end of the show. But, like, you could just, you could really hurt Willow forever with I that. I mean, that man. would really yeah. underline that magic has a price, which is exactly what Taro was trying to tell her, which would fuck her oh, up. Oh, that's so much better. <laughs> Kelly, you're God. more of a scholar than I remember. What's the lore in season eight beyond? Is... We go to Oz, we see Oz, but what does Tara, what does Willow say about Tara in the comics? Oh, remember? she just never talks to her. She talks about her. Like so there's a point in the in season eight where she goes to another dimension with Buffy to um I don't know, fix a MacGuffin. I don't remember. But uh one of the guides she needs a guide through this nether realm thing and whatever's in control of it, it it's just like she turns around and sees Tara standing by a tree and she's like, No. I don't want this and picks. She's like, give me a different guide. I can't do this. So that's kind of it. I think sometimes like everybody wants her back so bad and they, I kind of respect the fact that they don't do it because you made a choice. And in retrospect, a lot of you feel like you shouldn't have made the choice, but at least you're saying like, we did it, man. And, and consequences matter, even when they don't, because we bring back whoever we want, whenever we want, except for when it's Sarah, because we said that, and we're making a point, and it wasn't for nothing, and everything mattered, and she had to die. So, anyway, yeah. Barrier gaze real deep. Yes. Yes, exactly. But, yeah, we she makes a point to, like, really never talk about Tara. There's another line when her and just her and Buffy are alone where she, I, and I brought this up before, where she's like, um... You know, this is this is my fault. I should have left. I should have left. We should have taken Dawn. We could have been happy. We could have been safe. And like, yeah. but that's about it. And those are gutting. But like, she just doesn't want to talk about it. And she's also become a different person. Like, she's like a fucking god. Like, she doesn't. She's not concerned with the whims of mortal people anymore. She ends up being with the snake woman because she's like, 
can't deal with with regular people anymore. I mean, she's still with Kennedy at the beginning of the comics, which is fucking awful. But that's for next year, folks. Yep. Don't have to say Kennedy's name for a while. Anyway. You just said it again. I'm so sorry. You really got a problem with strong women, don't you? Nothing I can't handle. Well, I hope you can hold on to that thought for 30 seconds because I do need to say that we're a real podcast and you can find us everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. That's at BeatMePod. That's our handle. We also have a website, BeatMePod.wordpress.com, where you can find notes about this show. Uh, I'm going to do my best to give Daniel the websites that I found for my research and stuff because those people deserve credit. And it's a good read uh, just for... Little educational purposes. If you're a fan of pop culture, it's good to know your roots. Uh, I also put together a playlist uh, that contains all music we play in our show, as well as all music played in the show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that's available on Spotify. Uh, you can find the link on our website, bbpod.wordpress.com. But if you just search Spotify, Stacia, what do they need to search for on Spotify to find the playlist? Hyphen. Hyphen. Don't forget the hyphen. Beat me hyphen fun time playlist for podcast fans season six. That was not earned. You coached. <laughs> that was coached. I'll cut myself out of it. But thank she, you. she got I it right the you first did great, time. You did a great job. I'm so mm-hmm. proud of you. Someone's got to keep us together. I okay. did my best. Holy shit. It's time for us to yell. My voice is already like we've been talking for so long and I've been talking so loud. And, so uh, long. Let's so, uh, let's get this thing going. Um, I'm just let's see. What do I have to say? I go first. I decided. Uh, okay, listen. I love Willow and Tara maybe more than the next person, but the giggle ADR sometimes is a little too much. I just like the off-screen like sighs and giggling. I was like, oh come on, I can't tell it. I didn't catch it. Me either. Catch it. Daniel. Hater. <laughs> Fuck the trio. The trio. Uh, they've got chainsaws in their basement. That <laughs> seems like a huge impediment to their rent contract. I feel like, can you afford this? Like, why are you guys having chainsaws in this other person's home? What are we doing? <laughs> they got all kinds of that money. That was maybe one people. of the yeah, worst Yeah, think about the I've landlord, you guys. Yeah, the real think victim about the here. landlord. <laughs> Our <laughs> hero of the story in all the Buffy is the landlord. Dear God. <laughs> what are they going to do? Stacia? Um, I didn't write that much stuff for this episode, but I... Uh, two of the things that I wrote were about Andrew being gay for Warren. Uh, yes. When he was fight, when Warren was fighting, Andrew goes, "That was so hot." <laughs> and and then I wrote, "Andrew never had a chance." Yeah. And then the other thing that got me because I thought it was like maybe one of the funniest lines of the episode, but it was so stupid and I didn't even laugh. But when they get to the police station, Andrew says he flew away and left me, and like he like literally flew away on a jetpack <laughs> and just fucking left him behind, and he was Dude. he flew away Dude. and left. Me, <laughs> he never really cared about the plan or whatever. He, he never really cared about hanging out with us. Yeah, hanging out with us. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Poor little gay Andrew. I know. I hope you find someone one day that's not Warren. Um, again, Tara. You know, it's it's tough to yell about this episode because you don't want to dunk on anybody you love so much. But at the very beginning. Uh, Willow is saying like I think Spike and, and Buffy have been sleeping together and she's like or I think there's something wrong with mm-hmm. them and she says they've been sleeping together I was like Tara that's still a secret Buffy didn't yeah. say you could say that to her I know <laughs> come on <laughs> I had to get it out there somehow god damn it I think maybe they've been sleeping together <laughs> no I wouldn't go that far no I mean she told me they've been sleeping together and we needed to remind everyone, because I forgot, that Tara knew that they were sleeping together already, because you remember Older and Far Away. I can't and forget. I love their little friendship moment. I wish we had more of them. I know. More but Tara we'll never always. have more of them. Nope. Okay. Daniel? Just to go back to Jonathan and Warren, 
the OGs, the best people of this whole show. Um, John, uh, what's his name? Warren throws a fucking knife at Jonathan, and he catches the knife. Like, a, did he? Oh, when he's cutting open the demon, yeah, yeah. But like, mm-hmm. he threw the knife and he caught. <laughs> I like, mean, who knew Jonathan had those skills? Some that's what I mean. Super These guys are skills. losers. How is it possible that they did it? I don't know. Oh, one of the other things Andrew says, our mojo's tight, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, so that's the quote to use right here, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I love a good tight mojo. <laughs> um, okay, so we've talked about Buffy's gray morality when it comes to killing humans in the past, considering all of the soldiers of Doth Menestan. of Byzantium. That's what I said. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing to fear, my brother. The beast may have taken your mind, but I swear to you, she will never know the taste of your heart. Uh, the, yeah, she's killed, but, you know, we have this scene where Buffy kicks or punches Warren or whatever, and he hits the amusement park stone arch, and they all collapse on him, and then she turns around like she's only got two bad guys left to deal with. Did you think she'd killed Warren in that moment? Because she seems utterly untroubled by it. Yeah, that was a lot of very heavy person-killing rocks. <laughs> she was just like, God, that dick's dead. Yeah. Now you too. <laughs> Unconcerned. Just, yeah, just like the Knights of Byzantium. So what? They're all just dying off screen. No one cares. Let's go. Got to keep it moving. Anya finally gets to say what we've been begging for her to say. For the last three since whatever what uh, Hell's Bells episodes. I mean, Don't she got. You wish to... he would just explode. Yes, but I mean, more where she's just like, because he lied and lied and lied <laughs> some more. And just like, he's such a stupid little baby. And I know mm-hmm. she got a, a little bit of that face to face with him, but I love that she's just like, yeah, he's such a piece of shit. Like, why does no one feel bad for me? And again, I know we did a little bit more, but I love that she's keeping it up. And just anybody that will listen, you got to know this guy. What a piece of shit. (laughs) Warren starts fucking dressing like Angel in the early seasons. I don't know. He's wearing this like black leather jacket. And then he's got this shirt with these massive fucking lapels on them. And I'm like, who thought that was a good idea? That guy. (laughs) That gross guy. Oh, and more dunking on the trio. Very subtle one, which I appreciated when Dawn went to see Spike in the crypt. She, she says, Warren, Jonathan, and that other guy, because no one knows Andrew's name. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Tucker's brother. Poor Andrew. Uh, Except don't feel bad for You guys can help me with this. Anyway. I said that the bartender at the Bronx should be sent to prison, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's what I thought it was, but I thought it was. Yeah. That was the, the worst poor. Poor. Look at this. I mean, it's. It's so, it's so egregious. egregiously bad. Maybe this barman was just trying to be a wingman to Xander, you know, because it did make that cute girl sitting next to him talk to him. Yeah. You're all wet. Good thing I'm part fish. Oh, my God. Willow, are you aware that there are no fish in your aquarium? So I don't know if you either of you have seen the movie The Toxic Avenger. Nope. It's a Tromo film. It's like the biggest known one. Everybody's, you've heard of it though, right? The Toxic yeah. Avenger is like a horror kind of superhero movie there's a scene like a like the climax scene where the toxic avenger is being kind of hunted down by the talents people um he's a misunderstood figure he's trying to do right but he does kill people so <laughs> on one side of this standoff is all the townspeople toxic avengers on the other side when you look at the toxic avenger it is nighttime when you Ooh. look at the crowd it is daytime when we cut back to the toxic <laughs> avenger it is nighttime when we go back to the crowd and it is nighttime 
That almost happens in this episode. I don't know if you noticed at the amusement park, there's at least two scenes where it is nighttime, but when we cut to Warren, it is daytime. Uh, like especially at the very top of the scene, that's the most egregious one where he goes to flip over the armored oh. truck. It is daytime, but it is nighttime mm-hmm. in the rest of the scene. I think it must be because whatever stunt person they used or whatever effect they used, maybe they had to reshoot it, or the day just got long and they got away from them, or they were shooting way into the morning. You know what I mean? I don't know, but uh, love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the Tromo <laughs> homage <laughs> that we're doing here. I mean, you got to find something to say in this episode that's just fucking sad. Anyway, Daniel, you have anything else? This issue to you. She's been out. out. She's been out. I'm out. Uh, Don says to Spike, everybody's pretty mad at you. I'm confused. Are they? Who's everybody? Because basically only Buffy and Xander are mad at Spike. I don't think anyone else gives a shit. Um, Tara has gold sheets. Who knew? I don't think the last time I saw Dara's dorm, she had gold sheets, but no. Dara's dorm? Yeah, Dara's dorm. Torm. Dara's dorm. Yeah, last time we saw Dara's Torm, I do not believe she had gold sheets, but now she does. Look, the single life has done her a little bit of an upgrade. She's like, you know what I want in my bed? Champagne all day, all night. That's what I'm talking well, about. she had to woo all those other ladies. That's right. Strumpet, never forget. Never forget. Xander didn't stop to wipe the blood off his face between the bronze and Buffy's house. Of course not. Not for a second. Didn't could just quick on the sleeve. Wanted wipe the drama. His blood. Oh, of course he did. He wanted to be like, look what happened to my face. Wait, did you just get sexually assaulted? I don't care. This is about me. Ah, oh, Xander. Um, why does everyone barge into our bathroom? Why does everyone barge into our bathroom? Okay, Spike is about to do something mm-hmm. heinous, so I guess nothing really matters before that point. But, like, Xander, also, you run into someone's house and you're like, I bet they're in the bathroom. Ka-chow! Don't even, like, there's no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there's no nothing. I'm just, what the fuck? They're uh, good friends, okay? What was wrong with that arch that collapsed on Warren? She shoved him into it gently. The whole fucking thing fell down. That was an insurance claim waiting to happen. <laughs> Innocent child's children's children's lives could have been lost at that fucking Magic Mountain arch. Is Buffy stronger than a pile of rocks? Because, you know, those orbs were in that pile of rocks and did is not get broken. Is she powerful than a pile of rocks? <laughs> yes, she is. She is. Her, her, <laughs> her fist is more mighty. Buffy's fist... Versus asphalt is more mighty than rocks falling down and almost and rocks killing Rocks versus asphalt. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Buffy had a tad, tan hat in this episode. Almost the same exact tan hat that you hated so much. It just didn't have the little doobly doo on the top. Does that make a difference? Is that why I didn't bring your what eye around? What do you mean doobly doo? So the the hat that the you hated. The condom hat. Yes. Had a doobly doo on the top. This one, same exact hat, no doobly doo. Buffy has a fucking orange tree in her backyard that rocks. Uh, Xander said. Sweet fancy Moses, where did he get a dot 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 after Warren shows up with a gun? He says, Sweet fancy Moses, where did he get a assuming the next word's gonna be gun? America is broken and shitty men like Warren are part of what happens. We shouldn't allow that well, whatever, I'm not gonna go on the whole thing. But anyway, we didn't touch on this because it seems obvious, but I just wanna say it like remember in I Was Made to Love You, the robot episode, I was like losing my mind over Warren's incel bullshit and how that like he's like a terrible person. And you guys had to rein me in because like at this point he hasn't done anything horrible. And you brought up the great the points issue, you brought up the point of like, is it not better that he hurts a robot? Like if he's going to do these mm. things, like at least it's not a real person. Like it, you know, mm-hmm. it, we're not happy he's doing it, but like at least he's not harming anyone. And I think why I was so mad is because I know what he's going to be and he's exactly who I clocked him as in that episode but i already knew that he was going to become that so i was being unfair in that episode but it's just like that's how this shit fucking happens this guy hates women it starts with building robots and it ends with killing them 
You have to stop these fucking people. You have to stop them. So anyway, rant over. She just wanted to know how close I was to tracing the camera signal back to the empire of the nerds. Then she left again. Oh my God, we're almost to the end. Daniel, update us on the watches. We've already alluded to the, I, the big I one. I can absolutely update you on your watches. Thank and you. this is Xander, construction outfit watch. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, maroon jacket watch slash Anya belt alert. I said yes, unfortunately. The red jacket is yeah. very much in this episode. What do you mean, unfortunately? And I don't care. I don't care. Oh, that I is unfortunate. Care. You're supposed to be. It's unfortunate that I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. You're the keeper of this I, thing. As I said a couple episodes ago, this is dead to me. Oh, how dare you? It's dead. Completely dead to me. <laughs> I said here, uh, but it feels worse because why? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Who cares? That's my, <laughs> it did get that's torn asunder. That, that is an irreparably damaged coat. Where's the Campbell jacket? That's what I want to know. Okay. This is the You're now fully converted. Campbell jacket. Okay. Dawn's piercing screams, uh, no. Shrieks of joy. She has excitement over Tara. I love a shriek of joy. Back together with Willow. Yeah. And that's good enough for me. That's so cute. And I want to die now. Chips oh, Ahoy. God. I just remembered her finding Tara's body. Cool. All right. Anyway, yes. Chips Ahoy. Sorry. That's awful. Uh, chips Ahoy. Yes. Lots of chips. Uh, you can feel it with Clem. Not Clem. Clem. <laughs> Um, it isn't supposed to be this way. It's chip. <laughs> well, when he's talking to Clem, yeah, he's like, it isn't supposed to be this way because he's saying I'm supposed to be able to hurt people or I'm yeah. supposed to not feel this or something. And he's like, it's just bits of tin and silicone and wires. Yeah, sorry. So that's it. So I said it's a bit of chip. And then I wrote steels, pots and pans and silicone. <laughs> okay. That's the joke that I forgot. So my dad wrote a porno relay. joke that was very muddled, <laughs> but very Correct. important. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Um. Uh, Willow's being too powerful. Yes, you know, our love is ripped from us. Yeah. I blame Willow for all of this, I guess is what I'm getting at. Oh, you blame <laughs> Willow for Tara being shot? Well, I mean, now <laughs> after our revelation blame. that I Tara mean, was the price. Learned. Yeah, yeah. It is Willow's fault. Done. Uh, does Buffy have a personality? I say yes. She says to the vampire, how hard are you going to hit when you're blowing in the wind? <laughs> SMG slash Buffy is a closeted bobcat. Bobblehead. <laughs> she is a bobcat. The Hoffman watch. No, no, the, he's not here. But why not? You know, we we love the Hoffman. Tara and Willow, unfortunately, are on the pot again. <laughs> I said yes. Uh, when when did morning happen? Is what a pothead would say. Oh yeah. Uh, telling Dawn. To go back to bed. It's ten o'clock. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> it's ten o'clock. Uh, Tractorberg was fucking excellent in that scene. Okay, all right. Well, stop. Oh, you better not. At least you know what's going on. So, Michael Wicca, Amy Gothwatch. No, I said. Well, I said yes, but um, you can't Siegfried and Roy. The barrier is. I said yes. Does that work? Yes. I don't know. Buffy charging $1. I said yes. You're goddamn right. After the bathroom incident, oh, she yeah. gets a $1. She is at $10. For the season. And that's where we're going to end, right? The maximum at this point she could make is like $13. So that's not great. Before the end of the season? That's not going to – by the end of the season, right. Uh, books a million? No. we No more books. We don't do books. Streets ahead? No. We didn't go anywhere. There's nothing. Giles' biggest KO? I said yes. Uh, Tara's dead. Yeah. Bummer. I think he did. Where like do Tara. you go from here? He was like 
sweet about her and to her. So I think he's going to be. Does, does that come up later? No, no, because we don't care. We don't care that Spike did. What <laughs> do he we did, never talk about We don't about care Tara? that Tara's fucking dead. Almost no. We like talk around talking about her, but we don't actually talk about her. The most we get, Willow does go to her grave. Uh, in help in season, in episode four, but she just shows her kind of walking up to it, putting some stones on it, and walking away. Like I think she like said, well, she doesn't walk away. We sorry, but the camera cuts away, so we don't really talk about it. And like uh, we just, we talk about it kind of in the Killer and Me when um, in season seven when Warren, Amy puts a spell yeah. on Kennedy to make Kennedy turn into Warren whenever uh. Willow kisses her. So we kind of talk about it because the whole thing is her guilt over getting over Tara is why it's happening. Um, so I don't know. Whatever. It's not enough. Nope. Not tight enough. We have to get through this one first. Okay. Thank you for updating us on the watches. Let's You're welcome. keep it going. It is time to rank this sucker. <sighs> Willow hack slash we talk about the net slash something the Wicca this way comes. I gave it a seven. We get Willow on the laptop at least twice. And as we mentioned, it's uh, one of their data CDs. It's filled with encrypted blueprints, schematics. To what? I'm not sure. Her designations have been stripped. Uh, Donna needs an adult. I don't think so. I gave her a seven. She's dealing with a lot of stuff, other people's relationships, and handling it pretty maturely, I think. You know, the whole Buffy and Spike thing. She wasn't grossed out or mean about it. She handled it like a good person, like Willow would have handled it. Not like Xander handled it, because he's a fucking tool. She was also up before 10. She was up before 10. Can't say that about the lesbians, fucking loafers. All right. So, Monster of the Week. All right. If it's Spike, 10. <laughs> If it's Warren, also 10. But if it's the Shuffle Demons, it gets a one. <laughs> What's a Shuffle Demon? The the Nesla Demons, the ones that they steal. The oh, one right, that right, Jonathan right. is wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, going to give that a 10 because two fucking traumatic things happened in this episode, and that's pretty goddamn monstery. Mm. Uh, life is the big bad. Of the same vein. 10. Sexual assault. Leb- lesbian murder. Lesbians murder. Lesbian murder. Those are pretty fucking serious things. 10. Relationship goodness or badness. Yikes. Uh, I gave it a 9. Brought down only by Spike because even the power of lesbians couldn't make it up that fucking hill. Because you can't really say that anything that happened regarding Spike was good. But Jesus Christ, this is the last time they get to be happy. So they're going to give it... The highest score they could possibly get it, despite an episode where sexual assault happens. Episode specific, your shirt. The last thing Tara McClay ever says in her entire fucking life, gutting, 10 out of 10. And I don't know if you've been keeping track, folks, but that's a pretty high fucking scoring episode. 53 points total, which makes it the highest episode of this season. I did not plan this. It just happened because of science. Mm. So this is above Once More With Feeling. For the season. And I plead my case that this episode is very personally important to me for 20 years. So it's allowed to be 53. And also, I will note that the episode that this is kind of analogous to, especially when it comes to Tara dying, someone our person loves dying, is Passion. And Passion got a 55. It was the highest episode for season two. So while this season, this episode is ridiculous, and we talked about it at length, obviously, of all of its problems, like why Tara died in the first place, all the Spike shit, I think that an episode that caused the biggest fucking shitstorm in Buffy the Vampire Slayer history is not only memorable, but absolutely worth some kind of acknowledgement in a big-ass score kind of way. Mm. Yeah, That's my case. It's hard to argue with science. And also that. It's impossible to argue. All right. Stacia, you gave, gave I'm about to argue with science. <laughs> Please 
Uh, I I put this initially a little higher, and then I moved it down because it didn't feel right. So I put it at 80 out of 119. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that hurts. That hurts for me. It's pretty low. Uh, That's the low as hell. Yeah, it's 30 below Dark What's Age. It? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> we didn't talk no two hours about goddamn Dark Age, I'll tell you that much. Dark Age was an accident, but it is what it is. <laughs> we go with it. So I was going to originally put it right above Bargaining Part 2, which is when Buffy has to fight the biker demons after she comes back. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that, I decided, was too high. So I kept dropping it down until I found one, and I was like, oh, bad eggs. I think I like bad eggs more than this episode. <laughs> Should I be whispering? And then, yeah, and then the one <laughs> below like is that. Doomed, which I wrote... Hawaiian Spike no, tries to kill himself. I, I put Hawaiian Spike tries to kill himself. No, sir. I'm just a pal of Xander's. And then I was like, there's absolutely no way I could put that above. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> so it is uh, below Bad Eggs and Doomed and above the Zeppo oh. and Intervention. <laughs> oh Are we getting divorced? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so what did you write for the plot synopsis? Uh it's not fun. Yes, please. <laughs> Spike tries to rub rub oh, Spike tries keep... to rape Buffy. <laughs> oh, Warren kills oh. Tara. Buffy is shot. All oh, very accurate. Okay. Suddenly oh, feel like I need to put it lower. <laughs> please leave it alone. She's dead already. Leave her alone. Okay. Daniel. I will say that Tara doesn't get enough play where it's like you can almost put her put it anywhere because she's not really the focal point of the episode. Uh, it no. sucks. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if this was all about Tara, this is a this could be really, really high, you know, the two of their relationships. Uh I put it at forty eight. Number forty eight. Too little Tara. Massive problem. Yeah. I hate it. Uh forty eight is uh one above entropy, as you can see, there's a pattern at play here. Entropy from last week at 49, mm. Hell's Bells at number 50, uh, Wild at Heart 4.6 is at 51. Above this is Afterlife 6.3, Triangle 5.11, and The Prom is 44 at 3.20. It's kind of random, like the episode kind of happens and then she dies at the end, obviously. Yeah. And like it, uh, it's it's weird, you know. You don't actually know what's going to happen. I think even as a viewer back in the day, you could almost construe it in a ton of different ways. You don't know until next week that she's gone. Yeah. For good. You don't so. know 100% that she's dead. I mean, but Buffy's also looks fucked up. I mean, her eyes are open and Tara's are not. But, like, Buffy That's fair. is I also mean. bleeding out. Maybe Tara's just bleeding out. And they're both shot in the same spot, roughly. Yeah, exactly. So it could, yeah, it, and it could, could be a ambiguous. whole plot point we just don't know about. And it's not till later. Like, today, we can say... Fuck this. Yeah. Definitively. Well, but back then, not so much. I will say while I was watching it live, not only was I in denial that it was going to happen, but when it did happen, I kept watching to see if she came back or like what's going to like you. I need to know what happens. This has to be for a reason. We're going to have to talk about this and it's going to be heartbreaking. And at least they'll handle the aftermath of her death well. And to my dismay, they never fucking talk about it. And we never bring it up, and we just end the season with Willow not destroying the world, and then it's next year, and none of this happened. It's all about stopping Willow, so we are not talking about Tara is dead. In fact, she just says it, like, coldly, not even really to mm-hmm. them, Tara's dead. Like, 
you know, because we don't have time to land this because Willow is trying to kill everyone. Like, Well, and it's also shocking because they don't even know They have no idea. Happened. Why would you think that? Yeah. They're focused on, I mean, Xander and Buffy are focused, focused on, on Buffy. Buffy. Yeah, mm-hmm. like... So it's horrible, which is the worst part is Dawn, because Dawn is there in the house with Tara. She stays in the room. Let's stop spiraling out about yeah. the next anyway. episode. Okay, yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Anyway. Hmm? Uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. Sage, <laughs> 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 uh, do you have anything else to say about Seeing Red? No, dear God. <laughs> Daniel, do you have anything else to say about Seeing Red? Never again. I hope to not watch this episode for a long time. This was really sad, especially the very beginning I spiraled out, and it wasn't as good as I thought it was. But yeah, I know it's very sad. It's very sad. I do wish it was a better episode. So uh, I have um, a mini thing that you can cut out, but here's my another my my final monologue, my twenty year in the Let's making go. monologue. Uh, I will not cut this out. It's very silly to be so invested in fictional characters because I recognize they're not real. But I think you know. I was barely 14 when this episode came out, and obviously they—they they, I've been watching the show uh, for two years before that with them in it, you know, and very, very heavily invested. Like, you, they were my escape, you know? You, I was so, such an angry, sad, and just, like, deeply lonely young lesbian figuring it out that, like, uh, maybe I'm gonna, maybe this is the only time I'm gonna be happy is vicariously through these people. I don't know any other gay people yet i don't know like if this is going to work out but this is this like beacon of two women in love who are happy and and everything's okay and i get to just escape into reading fan fiction of where they get to live their lives forever and be happy and it's just like the one thing that that was like bright and then it was taken away and so it feels so personal so i know why everyone on the kitten board and every lesbian that's ever watched the show and loved it the way that i love it I know why it feels like they did this to me and it sucks. But but 14-year-old me, it's okay. I just I just think about that person and I'm like, I it did work out. I'm fucking married. I love my wife and my life and my house and my dogs and like it worked out at Pending the end. divorce though. Yeah, pending divorce. That's true. Divorce, so, That's yeah. still on the table Thank apparently. God that we made it through that. I mean, I don't know. I might reflect on this episode when I listen to it and re- reconsider, especially after you did it so dirty in the rankings. But oh my God, you guys. Damn. All right. Well, this is a real divorce episode. But hey, you know what? Gay people are real fleshed out people and they get divorces just like heterosexuals. So yeah, they get divorces over fictional gay couples just like straight people. That's right. That's right. I hope that I did not do a disservice to 14-year-old me and I hope that it makes sense and other people understand that connection and that like the the you just feel it's mine it was my thing and someone took it away and yeah you do grow up though and i think i think that there's like the world where that exists and you do you do grow up yeah oh yeah i mean i don't feel that way about this show as i did in that moment i mean it's a combination of being a teenager just being angsty in general and this truly being the one and only example that i knew of on tv and it you know that history has borne that out that at the time this was groundbreaking. This was like, you know, the longest running, healthiest, portrayed, best lesbian relationship ever on TV at the time. And it's like, it sucked to have that taken away. So R.I.P. Tara McClay. We barely knew you. R.I.P. R.I.P. Let's we love you. come back next week. And hopefully, you know, it's we talk about Tara, but we won't. Anyway, until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Mm, goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. 
Sorry, I'm I'm looking to curl up with Beat Me Pot alone tonight. R.I.P. Tara. <laughs> For two and a half hours. God bless anyone that made it through this fucking episode. Goodbye. I'm not worried. I never worry here. I got so lost. Well, you should be safe. Nobody knows you're here. I mean, they don't even know I exist, right? I know all about them, but... Hey. So the birds are flying, Kevin. I am, you know. What? Yours? Better not.